Hey there, my name is Yves. I'm the CEO of Fieldwire, and this is From the Ground Up. Initially, the goal of this podcast was for myself and my co-founder, Javed, to showcase the builders that make construction into an industry that we love. Due to the pandemic, our initial goal has changed. Until the dust settles, we want to use this platform and our network to share some insightful content that will help you and the contractors across the nation to navigate the current environment as safely and effectively as possible. To do that, we held a virtual town hall with construction experts to discuss the impact coronavirus is having on the industry. Here's the recording from March 24th. So we've, we've gathered uh, a fairly diverse group of panelists today to represent the variety of the industry um, and, and bring differentiated points uh, of you to the, to the situation. So I'm going to introduce, introduce you to, uh, to our panelists. So going from the East Coast to the West Coast, uh, let's start with Tim. Tim is the, is the president of Encompass AV, is also the founder uh, of the company. Uh, they're a specialty contractor based in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, low voltage contractor, they do build uh, high-end audio video systems for hotels, restaurants, or even educational facilities like the, the University of Chicago. So welcome, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much me and what I do. <laughs> you nailed it. Good. Uh, traveling west, uh, we're going straight to uh, JD, who's a senior project manager at Excel Construction. Uh, if you're not familiar, Excel is a, is a big GCA headquartered in San Francisco with a large footprint in healthcare. Uh, and so JD brings both the point of view of a general contractor as well as a specific understanding of what's happening on the healthcare side of the market. Uh, welcome, JD. Thank you. Glad and to uh, last but, glad to have you, uh, JD. And uh, last but not least, uh, Mandy, who's the director of safety at the AGC of the state of Washington. Uh, and uh, many brings, of course, a broader uh, overview of the market uh, that she, she gathers through uh, all the members of her chapter. So many correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I think you have about half GC, half specialty contractors as member, and among those groups, about half union, half non-union. Yes, roughly. Good. All right. So we're glad to have you uh, as well, Mendy. So let's not let's not waste time uh, and 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 dive right in. Uh, so the way we're organizing the discussion today, it's going to be in two parts. Uh, so we have questions prepared for our guests, and that's what we're going to do in the first part. While this is happening, feel free uh, to submit additional questions on chat. Uh, we have Justine who's uh, moderating this for us in the background, and she will uh, pick up those questions, organize them, uh, so that we can uh, actually cover them in the second part. Good. Um, so just going back to you, Tim, maybe to start this. Uh, so we have seen uh, basically uh, global city shutdowns like in Boston last week. Uh, right. What's the situation in Illinois and in Chicago specifically and and how much work are you able to do right now? Um, so most of our I mean, shelter in place order, right? It's the same as a lot of states have right now. Um, it's essential businesses only which is uh, not super, super clear. Um, as a low voltage subcontractor, from what we've been able to find out from the government, we are allowed to work right now when we are allowed on construction sites. Um, but the problem being for us as a small company is all, you know, not we have some construction jobs, but then we also have a lot of uh, retrofits in office, upgrades in office spaces, um, hospitality work, restaurant work, you know, adding TVs onto sports bars, stuff like that. All that stuff is 
you know, gone. So the only, you know, the only projects we have right now is new construction. Um, and we have about two or three large new construction projects that we're currently on um, and then some minor stuff. But, you know, we, we, we lost about 70% of our, our revenue making money and ability uh, when, this, when the shelter in place order went into. So that's been, you know, that's been challenging to say the least. Um, obviously, cash flow is your number one concern. Um, prioritizing where you're spending cash, how you're spending cash. Um, and then also a, a big concern of ours is, um, you know, maintaining, em maintaining your employee security and making sure that they feel secure, that they have jobs and that, you know, everything will continue on and go on. So these are some of the challenges we face um, and are facing and, um, and are coming up with solutions with. So uh, to that to that point, like we had a we had a quick chat last week. Do you feel like you're getting extra clarity from uh, city or government guideline right now in terms of what's going to happen over the next few weeks, or are you still in the same situation? No, I think the government's. Um, we we really don't have any clarity uh, as far as what Illinois has been projecting. They just say, well, it's at least till the eighth, could be till the fifteenth, and we don't know. So I, I think it's. I know why they're doing it, but I also think that it would be hugely important for business in general and for security, just over the big scope of this whole thing, is to say, this is when we think things are going to come back to normal or when we think businesses are going to open. I think if we could provide, if the government could provide some sense of closure or like an end, you know, an end of this thing, you're going to see more security in the markets. You're going to see more cash flow, more investment you know, people getting back on this thing and, you know, we can shelter in place for a while, but we need to know when this ends in order for everybody to, to have a good secure feeling and to plan accordingly. So, um, yeah, I'm looking to the government to give us a lot more information than they're, they're currently giving us right now. Um, that's how we feel here, at least in Chicago. That, that makes a lot of sense. I think in, in the Bay Area, our shelter in place was extended until uh, April 17th or 19th. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that's a that's a good segue to uh, to JD. Uh, JD, can you tell us a bit more about the the projects you're working on and why they might have uh, a different status from regular commercial projects? Yeah, so all of our in what the market sector that I work in, which is healthcare, um, they've come out right away and pretty pretty um, immediate in saying that all of ours are essential um, projects. So we had to do a real quick. Um, kind of stop um, and Excel really jumped back all the way to the top and um, first developed protocols and plans put in place to get our jobs up and running. I mean, all of our healthcare projects were up and running within one or two days. Um, and for us, it's, it starts out with making it safe for not only for our employees, but for the community of people that we work with. Um, so by developing protocols and procedures right away and getting them out to our clients and our, um, our trade partners, um, you create some security there. I mean, still, we, we still, um, on a daily basis, I'm going through routines of having to call up companies and walk them through the things that we're doing to make our job safe. Um, and even bringing in additional staff to go in projects and wipe down and create paths, clean paths for people to get in. Um, 
So it's been um, it's been a challenge because you know there's a lot of information out there and people show up to job sites and I mean we've locked down our job sites where you know no visitors are going to be allowed. It's, um, every day there's a daily check-in where we have a whole list of questions and procedures we go through before anyone comes on the site. So um, it's made it very challenging. It's slowed down uh, productivity, but in the same point, it's keeping things moving and the clients are happy about that. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, I'm guessing once again, because of the nature of the projects uh, being healthcare facilities, uh, it's very unlikely that California is going to try to shut down the process, but uh, you talked a little about a little bit about slowdowns related to uh, additional, uh, basically, COVID-19 related processes. But are you saying any other slowdowns that could be related loosely to the epidemic, like logistics or manpower not showing up on site or, or subcontractors not wanting to expose their employees? Um, yeah, we've had both of those. Um, uh, all of our subcontractors have, like, initially when the whole thing happened, um, no one showed up to job sites. Everyone kind of sent us letters saying, you know, we're not showing up. And then we had to re-engage our subcontractors, um, um, again, by giving procedures and showing that we are making the safety of the site first. And then we put, again, processes in place to go out to all of our vendors and, um, for instance, casework vendors. Um, one of our major casework vendors completely shut their facility down and we lost a, a week's worth of productivity. Um, thank goodness our upper management got involved and we were able to get the facility back up and running. And again, all this stuff is, is delaying um, projects. Um, part of, these are important clients, um, so you, you have to notify them, but then also we, we're taking the time to get the information and on a daily basis say, hey, here's what we're doing to resolve that and here's how it's affecting schedule, productivity, and potential cost impacts. So huge part of what I'm doing right now is is every day is that. And, you know, we do also a weekly, company-wide, we do a weekly check-in through most of the um, office side is all working from home now. So we're getting through those challenges of, of making sure we're all communicating and keeping up to speed with what's going on um, at the same time trying to be productive. So, yeah, I have two kids at home, so I, I'm juggling homeschooling and, and trying to get on calls. And luckily, a lot of people that I work with are in the same situation. So there's, you know, when my three-year-old comes and jumps on my shoulders in the middle of a, of a call, everyone laughs instead of, you know, so, you know, I think everyone's embracing kind of the position we're in, but also everyone's trying to really help and, and get us through these tough times. Cause like Tim said, you know, it's, it's, it's hard not knowing when it's going to end. You know, I'm glad there is a, there is a silver lining that, uh, that we're all spending a lot more time with family right now. So, uh, so that's great. Uh, Mandy going over to you, what, what is top of mind uh, for the members of your chapter right now? I'm guessing like some themes are, are emerging right now. What, what are you hearing through the grapevine? So I'll start by saying that um, probably what's top of mind for all of our contractors in Washington is the fact that our governor issued new shelter-in-place guidelines as of 5.30 p.m. last night. Um, so as we're all aware, uh, this whole situation has been uh, evolving by the minute. 
Um, and I concur with Tim wholeheartedly in the sense that we don't have a lot of information from government uh, to tell us exactly what to do and what's expected. So as a result of that, AGC has taken some measures. Um, the, the beauty of, of a membership organization like this and having people spread throughout the country is we all are tackling this together and we're communicating. Um, so we had other chapters of AGC come together and, and create a uh, field kind of job site guidelines for how to protect your workforce um, from the virus as best as we know based on CDC, Department of Health, OSHA, and local jurisdictions. So that document has been compiled and shared amongst multiple AGC chapters now for the benefit of their members. What we did is we took that because we had project owners that were coming to us saying, you know, we need something more than guidelines. Um, so we worked to create a document um, that takes those guidelines and makes it into a site-specific document. So contractors can look at these are the hazards, these are the exposures we have on our jobs, and this is how we're going to mitigate those and actually document that, but actually use that as a communication piece for their workforce. Um, weeks ago, uh, we actually put out a toolbox talk on um, just some, some basics from CDC, and that went all over the place as well. Um, and we're in the process of updating that to more current information um, that we're hearing from CDC and others. But I, I think that the, the real thing that we're hearing, I think, from everyone, and I think Tim and JD both really um, nailed it in their commentary, is the uncertainty. We all have uncertainty. Every one of us is facing that together. I've got four kids at home, and thankfully, you know, I, me and my husband make a pretty good team, and we make things work, and, and we're balancing all of that. But but, but the unique nature of all of that is that um, as much as it's uncertain for all of us, we're all facing it together, separately, but together. Uh, and that really brings to, to light another issue that we have in construction that I think is critically important for us to talk about, continue talking about it uh, and, and push to the forefront of this conversation, which is protecting everyone's mental health during this crisis. This uncertainty, this lack of information, this not knowing what our future looks like in you know a week versus a month versus a year um, we're all facing that together but um you know different people are going to handle that differently and one of the things that i uh, would be remiss if i didn't talk about is um we've been working on this issue of suicide prevention and construction for a number of years but if you look at construction industry as a whole we already have six times the national average suicide rate. So mm -hmm. if if we add uncertainty to this in construction, which we certainly have right now, is this yeah. kind of, of of what does our future look like, then then we really do need to have those conversations and ways that we can help people is not just um, you know, trying to to listen and be good support and be, you know, positive and give the answers that we know, but also give them access to resources whether it's your employee assistance program whether you have other um, helpful tools to to point them to so that they can take charge of that piece of their world from where they're at and there are plenty of resources to do that uh, where folks can be in the comfort of their own home and still get help um, but also it gives people a sense of they have control 
of one domain of their life. Everything else may be kind of out of our norm, um, but it gives folks a, a sphere of control that they actually have control of, which is uh, a good thing at times like this. So that's a, a very interesting point you're making, which is to go beyond simply treating the symptoms and adapting to COVID-19 right now and, and trying to, to extend the help uh, to the to the human side uh, of, of of companies, is there one resource you can point people to? Uh, you would like to point people to uh, to specifically uh, think about that issue right now. So there's um, AGC of Washington has an entire website dedicated to this on our web webpage agcwa.com. Um, but there's also present preventconstructionsuicide.org. Um, there's there's a bunch of different resources out there that you can link to from either our website or others. Um, I'm actually in the process of assembling a whole toolkit of resources that are specific mm -hmm. to these uncertain times that we can share as well. And I'll be happy to provide that to Fieldwire as well to to get out. I mean, we'll we'll try to share that on our on our LinkedIn page or or something like that uh, to make it available to everyone. Uh, thanks for bringing that 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 extra point. I know for us at Fieldwire, we're completely remote right now, meaning that we don't even get to see each other on site every day. Um, and so uh, we're we're making a specific push to uh, to make sure we're checking in with people uh, individually, at least within teams, uh, to make sure that 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 social network uh, continues to work. Uh, Tim, going back to you, maybe. Uh, what are some of the uh, some of the immediate adjustment uh, you, you've taken uh, to to keep work going at a, at Encompass AV? Well, you know, uh, first off, let me touch on a couple of things that uh, a couple of thoughts I had. I think, you know, touching on your point um, about keeping in touch, I think it's really important to not just do emails. Um, I, I've been trying to call my employees individually too. You know, my especially my my senior team and my office team. All of us that are, you know, in the shelter-in-place order, and we can't go to the job sites and everything. Um, I did come into the office today, as you can see, but I'm the only one here. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really think having that human touch, right, hearing somebody else's voice on the other end, I think that's a, I think that's a big deal. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, real quick too, JD, bringing, going back to, you know, getting your vendors, your subcontractors, because we are a subcontractor, right, back on the job site. One thing I struggle with, it's one of the kind of ethical things I kind of struggled with um, early this week, yesterday morning, was we have job sites in Minnesota right now, right? And they're not shutting down and the virus isn't nearly as bad there as it is in Illinois. How do I, as an owner, balance telling four of my technicians they have to go there next week, you know, even though there's a shelter in place order here, you know, and the government here, the local government here is making it seem like this is the end of the world whether it is or not i mean i i know it's very serious of course but you know even i'm to the point where like well how would i feel if i was being told i had to go work you know work on a, a job site where there's 250 300 people but yet i can't go to my health club why is one okay and why is the other you know not and um you know why is my health why is my health only only worth x not you know but when there's money involved why is why is you know as an employee why isn't my health worth more? You know, and so that's a question that I guess it's not only a question. It's just, you know, how do I balance that? Is is a is something that I'm struggling with as a business owner too. Um, you know, and maybe maybe you all have thoughts on that. Um, anyways, I'm sorry to get off topic. Eve. <laughs> no, no, it's it's very good. Uh, JD, um, do, you, do you have a, do you have thoughts? Yeah, no, I think that's a I think that's a great point. I think that um, 
you have to, I mean, as a, I know as Excel, as a, as a company and as a business owner, the first thing we did was really stop and put, and again, we go back to processes and communication. You know, we want to look out for our own employees. So um, we want our subcontractors to engage us. And by putting protocols in place that, that come from the CDC and also what you're getting from the government in terms of what are the, the cleanliness and, and making the job safe. Um, then, and even when, they, when the, the workers get there, showing those processes are in place and you're going the extra step, build right. the trust that you want from your Good. subcontractor community, right? And we don't right. really call, actually it's interesting, we call our guys trade partners, not subcontractors, because we believe that we want to partner with our, with our, with our teams so that, so that when we create a safe environment, right, and we say, here's the procedures and they show up, um, that they feel safe. And if they don't, they can push back and, and we'll engage and, and do what we need to do to make it safe. That's great. No, that's a good answer. That's that's a it's it's a good balance. I don't see see the the two major job sites that we're working on right now um, that are you know something that we need to be at in the near future. I don't think I, either of them, um, and they'll remain nameless, of course. But I don't think either of them have had had really suggested anything like what you just said to me to make me feel safe to send my guys out. Does that make sense? Like they have zero plan in place. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, my 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 guys at the top, the presidents of my company and the seniors have drafted letters and sent them to us and said, "Here's what we're doing. Send these out to your right. trade partners. Send these out to your clients, um, so that they know where we're coming from, right? And know the processes we're putting in place, right? Because um, it's important to us. And being healthcare, you know, right away. Half of the company, you know, the, the, por the portion of our company that, that is not in healthcare, you know, they're shutting down. And the great thing is, is those guys are now coming over to help us um, because we've reached out to our healthcare clients also and said, hey, do you need help with anything else, um, setting up facilities or anything where you need additional help to get um, places to do testing set up? So again, the whole company is embracing this, just not the healthcare side, and they understand the importance of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I struggle with it having kids, and you talk, and you know, Mandy brought up a great point about mental health, and boy, um, the whole fact that you're at home and you don't have contact with people, it's tough, right? Um, and my VP of my of my healthcare, they set up a weekly meeting, and I just got off it this morning, where there was probably 70 people that called in just like this to um, just check in, what's going on, how's everything going, you yeah. know? And they we had even a little story time where people said, "Hey, I'm getting up and I'm driving for 30 minutes in my car back home just to kind of create Feel. the same routine of feeling like driving to work, right?" So. Right. I think those things are going to become more and more important as this drags on because it feels like it's going to drag on. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Eve, I mean, uh, to answer, go ahead. Do you still want me to answer your question? <laughs> please do. Please do. I was going to ask it again. So, um, uh, our, my office staff, actually, my senior staff, that's typically in the office that we have a, you know, that we work hand in hand every day. Um, that staff, we've been keeping in real good communication. Um, I sent out. As soon as I, well, not as soon as I get up, but I try to, by 7 a.m., I send an email out 
um, and I follow up with every person individually, tasks that we're working on, things that you know, things that we want to accomplish, um, and then, and then, like I said, after that, I follow up with phone calls. Now, for our tech staff that hasn't really been able to work, we've been focusing on uh, new certifications. Um, we use a program called Avixa. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but it's sets it sets standards for the audiovisual world, and there's different levels that um, you can achieve with CTS being one of them, CTSD, CTSI being others. And we encourage employees to use this time. Most of our guys are salary, so they're getting paid right now to you know, earn these earn these accreditations because uh, that, that helps us as a company. That makes us a more solid company. So we're turning this time around for training for a lot of people as much as we can. Um, we're looking forward to, um, I'm, I'm working with my marketing team and uh, trying to figure out what does the market look like after this? Because even when this is over, it's not going to be business as usual like it was before. There's going to be changes. There's going to be people are going to want to work remotely probably more often. So how do we as an AV company improve that experience for them? How do we become a part of that? Because as an AV company, the way we looked at it three weeks ago was we're providing audio visual for groups of people. That's our whole thing, whether it's a conference system, whether I'm doing a sound system for a hotel lobby or a restaurant. These are all places where people are coming together as a group and, you know, and having that social experience. I feel like that that experience is going to slow down. So we're trying to figure out how we're going to adapt um, and what technologies that we currently have and are working on still apply just in a different way than we thought before moving into the future. So that's what we're doing with our marketing team. We're looking at that, uh, looking at what markets we're going to want to tackle, what markets are going to be critical coming out of this. Um, and uh, you know, I think the hospitality and the service industry is going to be going to be a little bit weak for the year 2020. So we'll probably be focusing more on education. Uh, people who have budgets that have been set in place for a year or two, and uh, they don't live, you know, they, they're not living quarter to quarter, um, you know. So that's what we're doing. That uh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like uh, once again, from all the projections we're seeing right now, this is expected to last. In a in a in aggressive quarantine scenario, at the very least, I think we're not hitting peak until end of May, mid June, from the curves I've been able to watch. Um, so I think we got to prepare for this to last a bit longer. At least that's the way we're we're looking at it at at, at Fieldwire. Um, so we talked about the human side. We talked about just uh, spending time with training right now. We talked about. Uh, spending time with project partners, uh, because I think uh, many of them are actually open to pulling together significantly, whether they're owners, uh, general contractors, or trades partners. Uh, if we try to zoom in uh, on the site itself right now, uh, and maybe uh, JD and Mandy, you guys are gonna have uh, more practical advice is that, how do we respect the CDC guideline in a practical way? What are the top three most practical measures you've seen work on a site to make the trade partner feel safe? Uh, and at the same time, just keep the site running. For example, I've seen some GCs adapt their sequencing of trades on site to really separate. What, what are you seeing? JD, you want to go or you want me to field it first? You can for, go ahead, Mandy. Awesome. Um, so I will say, I think that based off of some of the guidelines that were published from the AGC document on um, and if it's job site practices, what we're seeing is 
obviously, as you mentioned, some rotation, um, rotating breaks and lunches so that you don't have everybody on break at the same time on top of each other, trying to be thoughtful even down to your material storage, where you're placing all your materials. Are you forcing a bottleneck somewhere on the project site for people to have to get closer than they need to get? Um, and, and are you using whatever means as far as mechanical assists, et cetera, to help the workers not have to be in each other's bubble, so to speak? Um, so that's one of the things. Um, another thing that um, we're seeing is a big ramp up on servicing the um, restroom facilities, getting those serviced way more frequently than, you know, in some cases it was once a week was an, sufficient for the, the needs, but now in this in this time with, with these exposures, they're getting serviced way more frequently, um, sometimes even daily, as well as having someone in charge of just going around and making sure that frequently touched areas are getting sanitized uh, more regularly and, and those kinds of things. So I think those are the primary ways that we're seeing that happen and also just reminding folks through the process of toolbox talks. And with toolbox talks, that also needs to be reduced numbers. So breaking up your toolbox talks process into smaller groups. Um, so then you're not forcing people to be closer than they need to be. Um, but through that, through that end, using that time to communicate reminders to people about frequent hand washing, about their need for social distancing, about their need for staggering breaks and all of that stuff, as much as it's a lifestyle adjustment for all of us, um, it's what's necessary. Um, in in present times, JD, how, how do you uh, uh, does that resonate with what you're deploying on site right now, or are are you seeing other trends as well? Well, we we definitely have embraced a lot of that those same things. Um, we've um, we've also taken some staggering of trades, like uh, like Mandy discussed, so that they have different start times. We've also set up a, a check, like everyone has to check in at the beginning of the job. So we've actually lost a little productivity because we're taking the time every day to go through and check people in, talk to them, and make sure that um, that people are feeling safe. And also there's kind of a guidelines that you run through. You have you had a temperature, all those type of things. We've also um, taken on and actually put more of our own um, field guys out there to do more wiping down of areas um, um, and really trying to engage people to the six-foot rule um, and we're willing to slow down productivity to be safe and so that's one of the things that we went right to our clients and said that we'll keep going we'll keep moving but we're going to lose some productivity um, but it's at the cost of being safe and and continuing work. So that's very, again, what we feel is re really important. I, I want to make sure that I heard you correctly. You're saying you're taking the temperature of every tradesperson that comes on site? We we actually, um, I think we're in the process of trying to get um, uh, thermometers to test everyone. Um, I think we have mm -hmm. some already. Some sites are doing that. Um, that's not a by CDC rule right now. I don't think it's mandatory, but we're trying to do everything we can do to, to again build trust. So we're actually in the process of getting more of those um, temporal thermometers um, so that everyone coming through can be tested. Um, um, 
and we're like I said, we have a daily checklist of questions we ask the guys every day um, before they come onto the job site. Okay, good. Uh, so uh, I want to take uh, the opportunity to uh, to ask everybody who's listening to keep submitting questions. Uh, we're going to wrap up the, the initial phase of this thing pretty soon, uh, and we're going to start to go on uh, to audience questions. So make sure you keep submitting them while we're doing this. Um, I mean, the, the last subject that I wanted to cover uh, uh, briefly right now, and, and once again, we're going to project ourselves a little bit uh, longer term. We all know that construction is a cash-intensive in activity. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the economic impact of, of an extended shutdown, shutdown or, or of disruptions in the, in, in the supply chain. Uh, for example, Mendy, I know the AGC nationwide is taking a, a really strong stance, uh, stance sorry, uh, to discourage government from uh, from shutting down construction, primarily because uh, of the concern, I think that many contractors are not going to be able to make payroll slash stay alive for an extended period of time if there is a shutdown. Uh, can you develop uh, the current activity that's going on on that front? Um, not on a national level. Obviously, I don't work at our national office, so I can't really speak to all the behind the scenes going on there. But as you are well aware, AGC of America is doing daily webinars to keep our industry updated. Uh, so we have one going on today, right after this uh, is is done, and and so we're we're continuing to monitor all of those situations and respond to them. Uh, as far as here in our chapter in Seattle, um, like I mentioned earlier, the governor did put out new clarifications last night at 5:30. Um, clarifications that I'm sure the intent was to make sure that we all knew what we were supposed to be doing or not doing. Um, and I think that it raised as many questions as it tried to answer. Um, so we're still in the process of finding answers for that. Um, with that, there's a lot of other um, aspects of this process that are evolving, such as um, worker to leave, um, furloughs, any of that stuff. And we're working with professionals that are very, very experienced in this avenue, um, attorneys and, and HR professionals to help find answers so that we can give the best advice possible. Um, as you can well imagine, representing a diverse um, set of employers in our state, and then if you expand that globally, um, just the, the wide range of employers that we represent, it is hard to find one answer that makes it all make sense. We have to work together um, to get answers that um, will, will work for the majority but there's still a lot of one-off scenarios and situations that um, really do require very specific answers. And, and so it's real hard uh, to, to get one, one answer to every contractor and say, this is our That's how we proceed. And, and we would be doing a disservice if we did that. So, so it's, it's a delicate dance trying to find the right answer for, for folks, especially when we're not getting maybe the most clarity in answers. From the government <laughs> that that is fair uh, staying on the on the subject of government um, do we know if uh, the state of Washington or or at the federal level the government is preparing anything to help contractors that are dealing with these cash flow issues with right now in the force in the form of uh, low interest business loans or things like that is there are there any talks of that nature going on in the market right now that I'm aware of, no. Um, I'm not, obviously, as the director of safety, I'm not on that side of, of the discussions. Um, 
been okay. out in the forefront trying to to focus on worker safety, obviously, but also protect as many jobs as we possibly can. Um, and as you all are aware, that's a very difficult balance to maintain, um, especially as a safety professional. Uh, you want the workforce to to go home safe and whole and and healthy. Um, but also part of protecting them and protecting their mental health and protecting their um, long range life is, is protecting their job. And that's a, a, a very difficult balance. And at what point, um, barring you know, government conversations or government mandates, um, at what point does that break even? Good. Um... Tim, maybe you have uh, you have thoughts on that. Have you have you heard anything uh, on the on the on the loan side, or or are you you're probably tracking that that way uh, closer than I would? Um, so in Illinois, uh, they just opened Illinois up last week for some kind of special SBA addendum um, for loans, cash flow. Um, uh, it, of course, you know it's a 300-page document. Most of it copy and paste it, you know, and and it, it's it's complicated to say the least. It's just a sign up right now. They're not. I don't think they're processing anything. The city of Chicago said they set aside a hundred million dollars uh, for loans to small businesses uh, for up to two million dollars each, which you know th those numbers don't even make sense. But um, you know, a hundred million dollars is a drop in the bucket in this thing. Um, like we talked about before, you've. Um, subcontractors are going to, you know, they're smaller businesses, um, and they're going to, I think they're going to, you're going to see subcontractors drop pretty quickly if this thing's, you know, extended out too long and the government doesn't get us help quick. Um, I think, you know, expediting the help is going to be the trick with government as it always is. You know, by the time they get their act together, I think it'll be August or September, which will help some people for sure, and it's better than nothing, but you know subcontractors live on the draws from you know the banks that are getting processed through the gc that have to get approved by the client and you know they're already 60 to 90 days behind getting paid from the time that they had to go purchase the materials and you know and they've done the work so you know the subcontractors are really you know the end of the food chain unfortunately as far as getting paid um mm -hmm. and, you know and it's tough and i think that you're going to see a lot of the smaller subcontractors um fold and even the larger subcontractors will release a lot of people you know they'll, they'll have to cut a lot of jobs um in order to in order to maintain you know i know that we're doing everything to be as efficient as possible right now and we're streamlining and we're making difficult choices on you know things to pay and things that are just going to have to wait in order to make sure that my staff is paid and you know most importantly that my staff has security so um, i'm not very hopeful as far as the government goes Okay, that that that's a fair fair point. Uh, JD, maybe in uh, in reaction to Tim, is there anything that that owners slash general contractors are trying to do to make sure that their processing payments may be faster to help their 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 trade partners in this case uh, that that are dealing with cash flow issues? Well, in one sense, um, most of my healthcare clients actually are still r running and and moving. And so they're actually still paying, which is a good sign um, for at least our market sector. Um, but just like Tim's talking about, um, we've already reached out to our subcontractors to kind of feel out what that impact is going to be. Um, and I think the leadership within Excel is evaluating 
what we're going to need to do to be a part of trying to help with the solution. Um, and I think it's it's a work in progress right now. You know, we haven't, I haven't felt any subcontractors yet say, hey, you know, my workers, well, we, I have had a little bit of pushback and hey, we want our workers to be safe. And I think our response to that has helped to have them re-engage quickly. Um, but again, it's a work, we're, we're, we're in week two of this right now. And, okay. and so everyone's kind of learning. And I know from my standpoint, um, when I go down to my neighborhood in San Francisco at eight o'clock at night and it's, I've never seen streets so empty. It's, it's, um, it's scary. It's, it's, you know, so we, we definitely have a big concern in terms of, of, you know, of what happens in three or four months or even three or four weeks when people aren't getting paychecks and, and all that. Yeah, I think the question right. becomes too, you're in healthcare, right? And so your stuff's going and ongoing. What about the job sites that do get shut down, right? So now the subcontractors, yeah. the subcontractors, which are always slow to get paid to begin with, we're always at the end of the chain. You know, whatever <laughs> cash subcontractors do have, they're going to burn through to keep their staff and keep open and keep and then all of a sudden a month two months down the road hey get back to work well how do i go buy the materials at that point because i've burned through all my cash to, to maintain and you guys are going to want no offense i'm not not you guys JD, but in general <laughs> yeah just submit us an That's invoice fair. after you work for 30 days provide all the materials submit an invoice and then you know 30 days to 60 days after that we'll you'll get your check it'll be fine right but you don't have the cash to go out and buy the materials anymore because we've had this great gap we've had this blip this is something that's going to have to be addressed for the health of the you know for the health of a lot of people out there because you know subcontracting companies like myself where you're employing less than 50 people you add all of us up it's a lot you know it's a lot of it's a lot of workforce out there and if you can't keep us healthy it's going to be it's I think it's going to be pretty bad two months from now. Well, I agree. I think you're spot on. And I think because the economy in the Bay Area is so good, you know, those small guys have a lot of people working for them. And so they're going to have, actually have a bigger burden um, and fall into to bigger problems than some of the bigger subcontractors or trade partners who have been established and been around for a while. So yeah, that's a, that's a valid concern, Tim. Good. Um, I mean, I'm glad that this is. Uh, we're asking basically the, the 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 real question about this. I think it's it's about keeping keeping the trades healthy on site. It's also about keeping the the businesses healthy so that they can go through this uh, as well as possible. Uh, this is the conclusion of the of the first part. We ran a little bit over. So for the second part, I'm going to start asking audience questions. Uh, I'm going to try to direct them at one of you. Let's do some rapid fire answers on those. So please keep the answers short so that we can cover as many as possible. Uh, in, a, in a very directed way, Mandy, if an employee becomes ill with obvious COVID-19 symptoms or if they're detected at the entrance of the site, for example, with a high fever, uh, what do we do as a, as a specialty contractor? Do we treat it as a worker's comp case and send them to our contracted medical office? So that's going to vary from state to state, depending on what your workers' comp laws are and um, what each jurisdiction um, dictates. Uh, Washington State is a monopolistic state, so our workers' comp is run through the state, and they have had some specific mandates. 
but that's not going to be the same as every other jurisdiction. So I can't say universally across the board, but what I will say is check in with your local jurisdiction. It's not going to hurt to call whoever you run your claims through, your TPA, and ask those questions um, and make sure that obviously you're you're getting the employee health care taken care of. Good. Uh, quick question for you, JD. Uh, as as uh, on my project, we're extremely worried about the economic uh, down. I mean, the economic impact of of these primarily on the material shortage side, and and the inability to obtain raw materials like steel, stone, luxury finishes, things like that. Any idea on how to mitigate or prepare for that specifically? Well, the current projects that are running, um, you just have to really go back to your suppliers and your uh, trade partners and kind of find out the status of where it is. And then moving forward, I think you're going to have to start building um, those things into how we build our schedules. Um, the um, And it's kind of right now, it's, it's an unknown. So um, you're going to have to probably build in some, some buffers to, and confirm stuff and, uh, before you um, go out and promise schedule dates. I think right now it's, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a big unknown, you know, but we haven't felt it um, a lot yet, but, but, you know, again, we've, we're, we're preparing for it because we know it's going to happen. That, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I don't know if that was the answer that, uh, it's 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 good enough. I mean, I think those are complex subjects, and I and I think just talking yeah. about this uh, brings brings a complex discussion. Uh, in the spirit of going even deeper, uh, Tim, uh, how do you approach the liability side of of having workers uh, just dispatch on sites, as you said, like you have a shelter-in-place order in Illinois in neighboring states that might not be the case? Uh, are you thinking about the liability side of that? Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, this is a it's a tough thing because I have I'm getting pressure from a GC to send workers, you know, out of state and get them there. And at the same time, my workers are like, well, wait a second. <laughs> the state says we're supposed to be at home. There's probably a reason for that. And I mean, the other ethical implication of that, and I'm going to tell you right now, Eve, I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> like, I don't have a, 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 a like, this is what you should do. Um, the other ethical implication of that is, what if one of my guys is sick? Because we're in a state that has a heck of a lot more cases. We're in Illinois. Then, you know, you go up to like a Minnesota or a Wisconsin. And what if one of my guys is transmitting the virus up to a job site up there? So, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it's a it's 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 a really tough conundrum. Um, you know, we sent out a company-wide e email today with uh, practices and standards. You know, with new practices and standards for job site safety and procedures. I haven't seen anything come back from the GCs we've been working with um, as 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 much as I would like. I guess I would definitely like more information. Of course, I'm not my project manager either, so they may be sending that to my PM. And uh, and 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 they may be they may have more information than I personally have, but um, yeah, I'd like to see more information from the GCs um, safety procedures, and I, I want to make my guys feel safe. And at the same time, you know, I know that these larger contracts, because this is just one building out of a half dozen that we're doing for you know for a particular client this year, so I need to keep them happy too. So there's a balance to be had, and I'm working on it. 
Yeah, I mean, once again, I think uh, talking to partners and, and trying to work out those complex situations might be the, the best solution in most cases. Uh, I mean, I know it is super common for electrical trades to travel the country quite a bit uh, because they're in very high demand right now. On the West Coast, I know we have uh, we have ele electrical trades flying from the Midwest. Is that the case on your sites, JD? And and has the, have those travels been interrupted? I know it's very typical to have to have electrical crews from other states over here. Yeah, you know, we we haven't. Then the answer is that hasn't really impacted us. We have um, um, because of again the boom out here. I think a lot of people are, are out here. They're coming from other states of and travel out here and are locked in and are working here. So, I mean, for us, there's a, there's a, um, we've had a shortage of electricians um, for five years now. So we're not feeling it like that. Um, um, we're feeling it more in having, um, like the COVID-19 hasn't impacted that as much as just the, um, the need to have more qualified and better and, and qualified electricians or trade partners. So I don't know if that's what you're looking for the answer, but that's kind of we haven't seen that a lot of traveling um, in our in our specialty work. We don't get a lot of travelers as much. Yeah. Okay. I mean uh, that that makes sense. I think it varies on on on, on the type of project. So I think we talked. Uh, so Tim, you brought up the, the the question of volume. You're seeing, uh, as you said, like about a seventy percent reduction in short term volume right now. Sure. Uh, that could recover fairly quickly. Uh, from a productivity, uh, JD, uh, you talked about productivity loss. If you had to evaluate the productivity loss on your on your job sites right now, what are we talking about? Are we talking 10% productivity loss? Are we talking 50% productivity loss? Um, probably right now, I would say, cause because of the initial shock, probably about 50%. Um, but it's starting to creep back up because the confidence that we're getting um, reliable workforce again that are showing up every day. I mean, for the first week we had, you know, it was hard to get get um, guys back out every day, right? So now we're back in a flow, but I say initially about fifty percent productivity. Wow. Okay, that's 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 very severe. Um, Next question, uh, we're talking about, like going back to the question of liability, uh, and maybe that's a question for you, team, JD as well, is that is it typical to ask like a general contractor for release of liabilities? They're asking uh, for you to send labor on a site. Is that something that is happening? Uh, and maybe Mandy, you can uh, comment on that. Is that something you've seen in the, in the state of Washington? It's not something I've seen or done yet. Um, you know, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, okay. no, not for us either. I mean, I think the um, we've had good responses that seem to be um, limiting liability. Um, I don't think we've gotten to that point yet. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, it's probably a, I mean, a conversation uh, for four weeks from now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure to. Uh, to reconvene uh, at at that point, uh, Mendy, do you have uh, do you have closing arguments from maybe the top one, two, three things that that contractors should do right now uh, to to protect their their workers? I think that's what we want to finish this discussion on. Yeah, um, 
Thank you. First of all, thanks for, for having me. Thanks for giving some airtime to, to these conversations. I think that they're really important. Um, I, I would say probably the first point that I would like to make is that um, it's uncertain times for all. So we need to embrace that. We need to communicate that. We need to make sure that what we do know that we are sharing, that we're um, you know, allaying people's fears by sharing fact, um, what we do know instead of what we guess or, or worst case scenario. Um, everybody's minds already automatically go to worst case scenario for the most part. So rather than feeding that, feed the things that are going right, congratulate people for doing a good job, thank them for the job that they're doing, especially those that are working extra to make sure that job sites are sanitized and that we're doing our documentation, that we're having toolbox talks. Um, you know, making people feel seen and appreciated at times like this is really important. That's an important piece to the mental health piece that I talked about earlier. Share resources on uh, mental health. So again, pre preventconstructionsuicide.com. Uh, really, really important. There's a ton of other resources out there that I'm happily going to share. Uh, and then, you know, remind people not just for the workplace, not just for showing up to work if, if you're still working, but for all aspects of what you do, social distancing, wash your hands, use proper hygiene, you know, um, avoid being places you don't need to be. That's the whole idea right now is mm. avoid you don't need to be. Um, I have a, you know, an advanced age grandfather living in California. And when I spoke to him this weekend, he said, you know, it's great that they're doing this um, morning shopping hours for seniors. But honestly, if you have the power to take that off someone's plate um, so that they don't have to go out and they don't have to be exposed if they're in a vulnerable population or they're immunosuppressed, then do that. Um, you know, to take that out of their hands or use the technology available to you to, to get stuff delivered or what have you. So, um, you know, kind of taking off my at work hat and saying, you know, that's that's something that we all could do better at is don't be places you don't have to be. Um, but also, you know, respecting um, your own space and other people's space, maintaining yeah. that social distancing um, and all those good hygiene habits are really important. Good. I, I think those are those are really good advice. So once again, let, let's keep uh, everybody safe. Let's pay attention to the human element of the equation as well uh, in this situation. And let's work together with partners as an industry. I don't think it's always the case in construction. This is an opportunity to do that. Uh, and so uh, I think uh, the, we will find more will than than is typical uh, to to help uh, each other solve solve problems. So. I want to thank our panelists uh, that have been phenomenal again today uh, for the quality of their content. So thanks, teams. Thanks, JD. Thanks, Mandy.